0: Banning the Nerdosphere, talking about everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films, and everything in between. It's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Pataglia. Episode 57 of Down and Nerdy is here, where when you're a nerd, you have a sixth sense, a heightened sense of canon. Yes. yeah, That, and you also
1: know how to use a cannon.
0: That's right. I'm James Witham, alongside...
1: Nick Bataglia of the Miracle
0: One-Arm. Filled with gunpowder and fire, Nick, because I'm thinking back right now to our episode number two. Okay. Uh, Trendy Nerds. Of course, if you see it on our list, it's called The Nerd 52. And, uh, man, we really just... <laughs> obliterated some trendy nerds
1: we just beat the shit out of them like it was literally like we just bent them over and without lube just fucking went at it
0: so we kind of sat down and we've been talking about this for a while and when we put the idea out there people seem to be really really excited about it there are those in our geek culture that are new to things and they want to be eased in and they were like okay we really are interested in and in getting involved and finding out what's really going on. So we decided this week for our main topic, we're going to give those of you who are new to the nerd world a guide, as it were, to being newly nerdy.
1: Exactly. We're going to tell you, you know, what you can do, what comics you should get into first, how you should, you know, go about being a new nerd. And when we say new nerd, again, the difference between, we can't stress this enough, is trendy nerd and, you know, new nerd. Trendy nerd, again, as we said in our second episode, is somebody who sees the movies but then considers himself a nerd despite not wanting to go into the comics and go into the deeper realms, as we say, of nerddom. Whereas new nerds are people who've maybe seen the movies or read a comic or whatever and they say, okay, I want to get into it more. How do I do that? Well, that's what we're going to be doing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's okay to be a fan of one thing. We'll get into that a little bit later on as well. But the difference between the trendy nerd and the new nerd. Yeah, you'll know what we're talking about when we get there. Trust me. And you know, you don't have to read comics. So don't stop here and think, oh, they say we have to read comics. Forget this. No, that's not what we're saying. You'll find out more. Just trust us. Listen on. And of course, it's been a kind of a big week. For releases, and Nick, you snagged uh, one of the big ones, so let's talk briefly about Mortal Kombat X.
1: Well, first of all, I thought you were going to talk about the big releases come out this week from Bob over at Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards. You know, with, but that's, oh, there's you know... a ton of those for sure. <laughs> <laughs> there's a ton of those for sure, but uh, yeah, Mortal Kombat X came out earlier this week, and I went to the midnight release of it, and I was actually kind of shocked because it wasn't really a lot of people there.
0: Yeah, that's kind of weird because you, you expect when you do a midnight release that, you know, there's going to be a big to-do. And when yeah. you, you text me, it's like, dude, there's nobody here. And I said, what? Well, of course, well, I, was, I was working, so I couldn't, you know, I was going to go up there with you. I was like, ah, I can't, Got I got to work. So when you texted me back, it said, there's nobody here. I was like, really? Well,
1: I get there. Okay, so I get to the parking lot, right, of the, the local GameStop that's by my apartment. And I see literally five cars in the parking lot. And I walk into the store, and there was maybe about 10 people there. But the thing is, and here's the tough thing, cause you know, I'm there, I'm trying to do some promotion for us and stuff like that. But they have, like, three or four gaming systems going on with Mortal Kombat X in there.
0: Yeah.
1: And people were playing it, so it was making – so even I, you know, I did talk to a couple people, uh, it was tough to get a good conversation going. Because even when you were talking to somebody, their eyes were focused on the game. And then literally when midnight happened, about 10 – 15 more people show up but they were just there just to buy the game at midnight so again the line moved really fast because they had about four people at the register because they had, that's smart it, so it was just like group one go in and then boom group two is like at the, it was pretty much being at the airport when i saying it like was zone one but it's a lot more faster
0: it was like being at the airport except in this case you know you would expect weapons because we're talking about mortal combat weapons on the screen <laughs> as it were
1: Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes, you know, when those United people, they say your flight's been canceled. Then you have to, instead of taking a uh, three-stop trip from Los Angeles to New York, you have to do an eight-stop trip overnight. Uh, That's another story, but that's some of my personal pain against the airline company. But more personal pain with more combat acts, so I got home Tuesday night, and, yeah, I was – up until 5, almost 6 in the morning playing Mortal Kombat X. And let me to say right now, it's literally the best Mortal Kombat game I've ever played.
0: I mean, it kind of looked like it from all the trailers that we've been getting, and there have been a bunch. And we got to take a peek at the story mode before the game came out. So it looked like it was really going to be just one of those next level kind of games for the yeah. franchise.
1: Yeah, and the story itself, it's okay. It's not the greatest. But, I mean, when you really look at more comic games, the story hasn't been the best.
0: Well, when uh, you go with a strictly fighting game and then you try to give it a story, that's difficult. So the fact that they're able to piece together any real story at all is pretty impressive, I think.
1: And remember, they had the comics, too, uh, which can co- which coincide with the game. And you can see like how what happens prior to the game. And There are some um, kind of throwbacks to the comics between dialogue of characters but like the mm-hmm. ending wasn't really eventful however um i will say this it's you know builds into of course there's a stinger at the end of the credits and it's in course go into mortal kombat 11 but the thing is and i'm not going to spoil it because you know the game did just come out
0: of course yeah
1: and between people say well why do you spoil movies but not this because movies more people go see them in once mortal kombat x when it comes to video games especially certain people buy them at different times
0: Well, not only that, but Mortal Kombat X has literally been out for like two days, and like, say, for Daredevil, we're going to be reviewing Daredevil. That's been out for about a week now, so at least you've got a chance to have been caught up with that. So that's why, you know, our spoiler-heavy review of Daredevil is going to be coming up. But Mortal Kombat X, yeah, we want to give you a little bit more time, because not everybody can binge until 5 a.m. playing the game, so.
1: Exactly, and and here's the thing with Mortal Kombat X is, the fatalities are really the most brutal of fatalities I've ever seen in my life, too. Oh yeah,
0: they're 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 nasty. If you haven't seen the making of how they do the sounds for the fatalities, you gotta find it on YouTube. It's, it's very simple it's too. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's epic. I'm actually I'm actually doing that at home on my spare time.
1: Yeah, but instead it's your son's dirty diapers you're making them splashing sounds. With. Well, he
0: makes some of those noises on his own, so uh-huh. I can just record it and set it in to Netherrealm You can do sound effects guy over at Netherrealm Studios. There you go.
1: <laughs> but, uh, no, like, you know, you play the fatalities. and what's awesome is, too, is, there, you know, it's pretty much an expanded roster, and people are saying, like, why isn't Brock in the game? Why is this person in the game? Well, they're going to be DLC. Brock is going to be DLC, I can tell because he's not in the original roster. There's also, I'm going to tell you right now, who's in the game. Somebody who has been in the Mortal Kombat game, I think since Armageddon, that's Frost. Frost is in the Mortal wow. Kombat game. Uh, Sindel's in the game, everything Everything else. But there, of course, they're going to be kind of like as packs as well you can buy and stuff like that. Tanya as well. But the thing is, when you look at the roster and everything else, it's a really good roster that they give you. With Of course, I pre-ordered it, so I got to play as Goro, and it's really, really fun. Uh, and also, Shinnok's in the game, but in order to get Shinnok, you have to complete the entire story before you that can play as him.
0: That makes sense.
1: And what's great about the roster is, throughout you know, there's been many iterations, there's been 10 Mortal Kombat games. So everybody throughout the games has then had different fighting styles. Well, here, you can have different fighting styles. For example, if like you choose somebody, uh, let's go with, like, Johnny Cage, for example. He has three variations. He has the, you know, Brawler, I believe it's called. He has the stunt double and he has some other variation and nice. each variation is different. So like the stunt double variation is he can create a double of himself to do extra attack an extra attack or a build on an extra attack brawler. It's kind of like he has this thing called the fist bump where it's like back down back triangle or for people who have Xbox one down back. Y, And he'll bash his knuckles together and he has these rings on. So when you throw punches, they do extra damage. Nice. And it's really really fun. I think the best fatality on here, at least my favorite one, is Johnny Cage's. Here's Johnny, where he mimics The shiny. where he yeah, that's a p- good one. Where people have seen it, where he you know pretty much goes into somebody's back and rips their body open in half, and says, "Here's Johnny," and that's really really cool. And what's really awesome too is just the beginning of fights when you know you have the dialogue between fights. Depending on who it is, it changes. So it's not the same thing over and over again.
0: So So it's not like Injustice where they do have dialogue, but it's the same dialogue no matter who you're fighting against.
1: Yeah. So, like, say, for instance, you're Jax and you're going up against his daughter. They'll have certain, like, father-daughter thing, like training. Like, it's time to train, Jackie. And then it's just like, really, Dad? I think I'm strong enough and stuff like that. You know, Cassie Cage and Johnny Cage. Casey Cage be like, cage match, and giant Cage be like, you did not just say that.
0: Yeah, there you go.
1: So it's kind of like, when James uses a pun, that's my reaction afterwards. You can't even
0: get away from it there. No, you now, can't. Now it's in the game, so you're screwed.
1: But it's really, really fun. And the thing is, in the story, there are quick time events, but to me, people say when they hear the term quick time events, they're like, oh, really? But this one, this time, when they use them, I like, I like them. They're not a hindrance at all. They're actually more of a sh- surprise. Outside the fighting... The crypt is back, so you can go in and pretty much walk through a graveyard, a literal graveyard, and just break open graves and unlock, like, concept art, unlock costumes and brutalities, which are forms of fatalities, in a sense, and unlock other things as well. And, again, you know, I've beaten the story mode, I've beaten some of the towers, but, again, Mortal Kombat has such replay value, because it's like, okay, I beat the tower mode with Shinnok, I want to beat it with, you know, Sonya Blade. And I'm not going to lie, Sonya, as far as when it comes to it, combos and stuff, Sonya is one of the best to use, i found, which is very pretty, which is really cool. And she's very, very quick and agile. And the thing is, too, is what's awesome is when you play as bigger characters like Kolokhan or Garo or Ferator, their fighting style and their moves are similar to their body type. So, for example, like... And his movements are kind of slow, but they're not painfully slow, but they're slower, but they do more a little bit more damage. You know, same thing with Kotal Kahn and Goro, which is really, really awesome.
0: Well, I mean, that's good, because I kind of felt that way about Sonya in the original Mortal Kombat, too. It just says something seemed smoother there, and some of the movesets that she had were even better. But that's going to do it for the beginning of the show here. But we're coming up with a lot of stuff, nerd news. What we're reading, though, is up next here on Down and Nerdy. Well, it's that time, nerds,
1: where we break out those long boxes because it's time for what Reading, of course, presented by the fine folks over at Fanscape Comics and Cards, Aragorn Boulevard. Go see Bob. Check out his figures. Check out his art. Check out some T-shirts he has as well. And also, don't forget the comics. Those are the most important things as well. And, James, I decided to go D.C. this week. I decided to go annual as well. I know a rarity on my part cause oh, I never really – because I never really read the annuals, nor do I really do a lot of DC. And I did the Sinestro House of Mystery annual. Of course, this is written by our friend Colin Bond. Now, here's the interesting thing about the art. It has six different artists throughout the book.
0: My God, that's a lot.
1: And you say, well, how's that? How do you do six different artists? Well, everybody in this annual has their own story within the book. So, for example, Lisa Drax is done by Victor Ibanez. The present day art is done by Martin uh, Coccolio. Arkillo art is done by Andy Kuhn. The Reagan K.A. art is done by Rowan Cliquette. Des Trevius art is done by Mirko Kolik. And Becca art is done by Daniel Warren Johnson. <sighs> <laughs> ha! A lot of names. <laughs> now, The annual, like I said, I don't read a lot of annuals. This is annual number one, and it's called the House of Mystery. Henceforth, why? Because somebody is trying to kill Sinestro and somebody within the Yellow Lanterns. And the thing is, you try to figure out, well, who is trying to kill Sinestro? So what they do is they go back in time through each main person of Sinestro Corps' arc and go through how they became part of Sinestro Corps and how they, you know... Pretty much a a bio, in a sense, of these certain characters and flashbacks, if you will. That's cool. And so, for example, Archilo, his flashback was his race was part of a very, very religious society, and it really is a take on modern Christianity, where it's like, you know, he has this born day where he becomes a man, and it's like, he tells his father, okay, why do we serve somebody who kills? But yet we are a peaceful society. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Turns out he slaughters a high priest and everybody else because he just fucking flips out. Wow. And then the but the best one was, uh, Lisa Drac, who was pretty much brought up by her uncle in a sense, and she had this this lover, and he his main thing was he wanted to get into her uncle's dungeon or his main spell room in a sense can i say phrasing
0: now is it my <laughs> turn can i say phrasing is it my yes. turn okay okay go on
1: yes uh presents represents 50 shades of yellow um but no so anyways he uses his charming ways and her love for him to say okay get me into your uncle's dungeon to Still sounds like phrasing <laughs> Cause there's this book I want and he pretty much has this whole library and he's trying to, when he first meets her uncle, he's like, you have every book to learn. And, you know, cause it's pretty much like that beauty and the beast library he has. He's like, but that's not the library I'm looking for, you know? And so it turns out her, his uncle says, catches him says, listen, you betray me. Well, I'm gonna lock you in here with your lover. And so years have passed and Lisa has just, you know, her, you know, the guy who she's in love with has died because her uncle has pretty much killed him. And his corpse is just there. He's just a skeleton. And Lissa's just lost. I mean, she's just went from purely innocent to insane. Yeah,
0: and that'll
1: do it. It's really, really dark. Um, overall, the writing is great. and Colin has done a great job with the series. and. It's, like I said, it's something I've, I, I, don't read annuals, but this is one thing I read, and especially coming off the death of Deadpool, which was very, very pissing me off. Um, it's nice to read this and actually tone it down a notch in a sense of, okay, got better writing, and like I said, Sinestro, I like how they've done this, and at the end they kind of have a little bit of a teaser because he knows who's killed him, but they don't, but they don't show or he doesn't say. Nice, and there's an explosion at the end. And uh, overall, the writing is great. The art, even though it differs, some parts of it are better than others. However, it's, been, it's kind of consistent where it's not atrocious. It's not Daredevil art atrocious. Um, they're all Like I said, so all the art is really, really good. It's consistent. And even though it changes, um, it's really, really good. It's kind of like reading five issues of Batman Eternal in one, in a sense, where you get the different artists each week.
0: That's cool. I mean, at least they've, they got good artists to do the art and tried to make it a little consistent.
1: And for me, this is a pull. This is a poll for me this week. And my book was ancestral House of Mystery, and it's a poll, definitely. I love the way that the whole arc has gone. I love the way the whole run has been uh, throughout these issues. And James, it's your turn, and uh, what'd you do this week?
0: And because we reviewed this before, and it was a little bit of a point in cont- of contention between the two of us, I wanted to go back and do issue number two of Descender, from Image, of course, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Dustin Wynn, and letters by Steve Wands. Now, mm-hmm. I know that you were kind of like, ah, I don't know, I'm not a big fan of this, I'm not sure where it's going, and yeah. I wanted to give it a little bit more time.
1: Yeah, I didn't actually pick up the second issue. I think one issue is enough for me, in a sense, in this well, case. Well,
0: here's what happens. Of course, you know, if you remember from the first issue, the Tim Bot's running away from the bad guys that have been sent to pretty much capture him and or kill him. Right. And uh, what's cool about this issue is that there's flashbacks in this issue where where Timbot's reloading his backup memory so he can, you know, so he has his memories from before. And it kind of shows him being activated by Dr. Jin Kwan and then it shows him being sent to his family and being with his family and it really it's not one of those flashbacks where it's like this isn't necessary, this is kind of annoying. It's one of those things where it's building you actually caring about this character and what happens to him, which I think they did a fantastic job with. Right. Now, basically, they've got, I don't know if you noticed this, but they brought some giant, like, hybrid-looking animal to chase after the Timbot, these bad guys. And the crazy thing is, is the animal actually catches him. Mm -hmm. And he turns around, the Timbot turns around, and disintegrates the animal. Apparently, he has a plasma cannon in In his his hand. Oh, in his hand. I thought it was in his ass. That that would be creepy, because it's like a little... Well, oh, yeah. no, say, you know, he turns around, I'm like, okay, he's, you know, well, he's to- running from it. If he was running to it, that would be pretty, mu- that would be pretty fucked up. Because, like, I'm gonna come and get you, even though you're ten times bigger than I am. <laughs> but uh, we find out that the Timbots' master was actually a uh, the Tavars, uh, the, the the Tavers family, and Andy Tavars was a little boy that was kind of like turned into his brother, as a sense. And you kind of get that feeling. And what I thought was interesting in this issue was there's was an interaction between the two of them. Where uh, he's where Andy's reading a book and he's like, you have you read this book yet? And Tim, Tim goes, oh, well, I could download all the volumes right now. But Andy says he loves to read the physical copies. And is that a comment on the comic book industry as a whole or what? (laughs) Even even in this issue, they don't want to go digital. Exactly,
1: and that's pretty pretty hilarious. By the way, uh, Andy Trevor whatever his name is, that's literally the most Shawshank Redemption name you can ever put together.
0: It, it really and, was. And
1: Andy Trevor says he wants to read the full book <laughs> and not download it because he's against digital copies.
0: And it turns out that the the bad guys that were actually sent to capture the Timbot are not from the United Galactic Council. After all, they're more like mercenaries who apparently can get three times what he's worth if they send him, if they bring him to whoever sent him after him. Mm-hmm. So basically, we're going back and forth between the flashbacks and him trying to run away. There's a point where Timbot finds his mom, the family's mom, and uh, it's not good. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. And I don't want—I don't want to give away too much because there is a there's a huge. Well, I'm going to say spoiler because this is basically a big part of the issue where the bad guys kind of corner him and he ends up having to disintegrate one of the bad guys. Right. So just when you think he's going to get away the holy shit moment happens and the other guy that's still alive blows a hole in the Timbot. Whoa. Blows a huge hole right in the middle of him. Wow. Now something happens after that that I will not spoil but I gotta say that that moment in this issue I did not see coming at all. And the art style by Dustin Wynn is very addictive. I mean, I just I just love it. I know it's not for everybody, but I love it more and more as I keep reading. And Jeff Lemire really stepped up with the writing in this second issue and and I this put all my fears to rest for this series Uh, because they kind of leave you on another cliffhanger at the end of the second issue. And this, this is officially a poll for me. I'm, I'm convinced now.
1: Well, okay. So also, I mean, remember again, Sony doesn't have the rights to the movie. So this kind of has you hopeful when they do decide to get the movie going.
0: Yeah. It's, it's very interesting to see what's going to happen next because you figure, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, this is a main character. So this Mm -hmm. is going to be a theme throughout the entire book. And, Maybe not, after all. Maybe this is the start of something else, or maybe, uh, well, again, I don't want to give away too much, but there's a lot of maybes that make you want to keep going.
1: Well, given what happens at the end, I think my guess is, like I said, I haven't read issue number two. However, just from what you've been saying, I kind of want to go pick it up now um, because I do have my three-issue rule, but again, when I read the first issue, it was just kind of like I kind of saw where it's kind of going, but apparently not.
0: <laughs> yeah, this was a huge curveball for me, too. So this was, again, December number two written by Jeff Lemire, Dustin Wynn, and letters by Steve Wands, and this is a poll for me. All right.
1: Well, that's going to do it for what we're reading. Put away those long boxes and get out those goggles because it's time for Geektainment Come up next right here on Down Nerdy.
0: All right, nerds, plug in those laptops, make sure that tablet has a full charge, and get the Roku out because it's time for this week in Geektainment. And Nick, it's a big one because we've been talking about it, and Daredevil is finally here.
1: Yes, and in order to get the full experience of Daredevil, I actually closed my eyes while watching it.
0: Very nice. So this will be a nice visual representation of what the show was about. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, it was available for the visually impaired, though, so yep. hey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I-, I enjoyed the hell out of the show. And again, this is a good, really good indication that Netflix knows what they're doing.
0: Oh, no doubt about it. And It makes me not want a comic book property from Marvel, DC, anybody to ever be on network television again. They just did such a good job from top to bottom Mm -hmm. with the whole series. And you want to talk about basically perfect casting across the board. This show had it.
1: Yeah. Charlie Cox was great. Uh, You know, he had a couple other good people in there. The guy, I can't think of his name. He played Foggy Nelson. They finally got that dynamic right between Mm -hmm. Matt and Foggy, but Vincent D'Onofrio, I think has the best chance of winning an Emmy for his portrayal of Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. the Kingpin.
0: I mean, my God, what he did with that character, making him human, which is something they don't really do in the comics very much and making him this fragile, vulnerable guy, but still this evil guy. And it, it was just amazing, especially towards the end when everything starts falling apart for him and yet he's still trying to hang on, and he's got some sort of humanity. I gotta be honest, towards the end, I actually, and this is masterfully done by everybody involved, I actually started feeling sorry for him.
1: Yeah, that's the good part of, of good writing and good acting, is when you feel for the person you're not supposed to feel for. Like, in the first few episodes, you're like, okay, I can ideal Wilson Fisk, because he wants to make Hell's Kitchen better, you know? He wants to for it to be better, and... Towards the end, you're like, okay, well, he's not a good guy. You know what I'm saying? And that's how mm-hmm. the comics were. The comics were, you know, portrayed Fisk as kind of that guy that, you know, he, he, you want to root for him at times. There's times where you got to pull yourself back and be like, well, wait a minute, he's an evil guy. He's, you know, head mob guy and stuff like that, you know, he, we got pulled pull back on it. And the thing is, is like I said, they made him human and they showed his origin story, which is very interesting as well. We'll get more into that later. But sticking with the casting, like I said, Fist, they got him right. The guy that got to play Ben Urich uh, was great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at this and here's what I'll say right now. They did the origin right, as in they didn't expect upon it. They just say, okay, we start off first, literally the first opening scene of episode one, Matt has the accident and then they're like, okay, that's it, he's blind, that's it, we're not going to expand on it anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's perfect. You didn't need to draw it out, you didn't need to do anything like that. And the rest of the flashbacks, I'm glad that they used it correctly, unlike with Arrow where they actually went somewhere and it didn't take you out of the story because they're actually good. They actually brought you in, like the episode would stick. They showed how meaningful, how Matt was able to be his kind of kung fu artist, kind of master in a sense, and his whole life growing up, but and also his growing up with his dad. But the thing is, is the writing is just great, and honestly... This makes me wonder if Marvel is looking at themselves saying, we made a mistake with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. putting it out on ABC, possibly.
0: I think that's a possibility. I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. starting to pick up now, which it always seems to do towards the end. But, uh, I mean, I think that there is a compare... It's hard to compare Arrow and uh, Daredevil with these flashbacks. I do think that with Arrow, sometimes they serve a purpose, like when the whole uh, flashbacks with the torture scenes in this season and how that kind of touches on Oliver in the episode that was going on at the time. But there are times in Arrow, and it seems like almost every other episode where the flashbacks feel forced. Here, they didn't really feel forced. They always made a point when the point needed to be made. So I think that if anything else, what Daredevil, I think, does better with Arrow than the flashbacks is consistency and chronology. They do it at the right place at the right time, and I'm not sure that Arrow really does that. So I think that is what sets them apart from that in that respect.
1: Right. The only episode that I said that was really heavy was Episode 7 with Stick because, again, that's how you see like Stick taking Matt Murdoch when he was younger under his wing and training him and everything else. And, you know, you look through the series, and I'm watching it, and, you know... It, each episode's an hour long, but it I wanted, you know what I'm saying? When you watch it, it didn't feel like an hour because you're no. so into it. You're so into it. You know, it's there was wasn't any parts that really took me out of it. And you know, you had Rosario's dart, Dawson's character, there's a night nurse in there for a little bit, and she goes away. And now here's a big controversy thing that a lot of people were talking about. They were pissed. And this is again, this is a spoiler-filled review. Very much so. Okay, so three, two, one, here's a spoiler. Ben-Yurk dies. They yeah. kill him off. And a lot of people were saying, how could you do that? Because, you know, you lost a great character in the Marvel Universe, you know, as far as a side character goes. And now here's the thing. The guy who is ahead of this, again, I can't think of his name. He's of with that Josh Whedon mindset of you, t- you kill a character somebody loves and you make them want it even more in a sense. Like you want the story even more and, and get more in, ingrained in it. They did that with Coulson in the Avengers. Granted, he's back, but still, at that moment, Coulson dies. You're like, "Oh my god, how could they have killed Coulson?" Right here, you kill Or Ulrich at the hands of the King because you because he's pretty much gets fired from his job at the paper, and he's, I'm gonna start a blog. I'm gonna expose Fisk. Gets home. And, of course, the camera pans over, and there's Wilson Fist sitting in his office. In yeah, and Orr's he found office. out
0: that he was there and he with his mom, and he didn't give Karen up, though. And he kind of, you know, took the heat for that whole thing, and they kill him off. But, I mean, Game of Thrones has done the same thing. They've killed off people on the show that are still alive in the book. So I think that, again, we can't be married to canon here. You do have to have some sort of surprises. And, I mean, you've talked at length about shot for shot before, and that's not what we're getting here.
1: But here's the thing, and here's why I like Ulrich's death, is because it gives Murdoch more reason to go after Kingpin. And also, right. the way that the the show is progressing as the season was going along, it was getting to that point, okay, where somebody has to die. Like, they're in too deep. There's no way you get in that deep and not have any sort of consequence.
0: What I like, though, is that they played both sides of that in that respect, where Ulrich dies, but also Wesley dies. Yeah. So Kingpin gets that loss as well, and that's kind of what, you know, after Vanessa gets poisoned at the benefit, that Wesley dying was that shove that kind of pushed Kingpin right over the edge. I say Kingpin, they never refer to him as that. We know him as Kingpin, it's Wilson Fisk. Mm-hmm. but um and then you see him at the end after they capture him when that when he gets uh sprung from fbi custody and he has that moment where he becomes the villain fully in everyone's eyes saying yeah. you know if anybody tries to follow me kind of thing and it's like okay he's finally turned that corner that he can't go back from he's the villain now
1: yeah and here's the thing too is you know you look at fisk's childhood how his origin panned out you know he was this little overweight kid who got the crab kicked out of him, had an abusive father, and then he kills his father with a fucking hammer. <laughs> and his yeah. mother saws that the father covers up for Wilson. And, you know, again, it was kind of that thing of, like, that inner, the struggle of being good and evil and balancing out for Wilson up until that point where he does fully turn has pretty much been there his whole life, which was phenomenal.
0: And I think that the painting being a main theme of when yes. it's always that constant memory of what happened that night with his mother and his father. I mean, it. and then right there, that final scene, again, this is spoiler heavy, the final scene with Wilson, Wilson Fisk in prison where he's sitting on that cot. He looks at the wall and once again, it looks like the painting. It looks like the wall. So he can never escape that moment in time with his mother and his father. It's unbelievably unbelievable way to come full circle with the series and
1: again him just looking at the wall and even at the painting serves as a great purpose because his father though abusive tells him look at that wall i want you to think what kind of man you want to be so that we're going to see kind of an evolution of him becoming the kingpin like being the the bigger guy because in this show he kind of has a group of people he's working with and right Grand, they all kind of fall off one by one, except for I think it was James Mao, I think, who is I, from what I know, is heavily involved in the Iron Fist run. I believe.
0: Yeah, I think that we're going to see her again for sure.
1: And here's the thing, you know, as the show goes on, you have little Easter eggs of like, you know, you look at like some of the boxing posters and like cuts off the top of the guy's name, so it says like Thor versus Barton and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And you know, there's a flashback with Foggy and Matt, and you know. A foggy, I well, what about that Greek girl and stuff like that? Of course, it sets up Electra and he's mm-hmm. it's kind of mentioning that. But you let's talk about some character, you know, kind of shocking kind of coming in. You have the guy who makes the suit who ends up turning into the Gladiator later on in the comics mm-hmm. and you're like, oh my god, he actually throws the saws and everything too and you know, it builds onto to that and then you have I believe his name's Leland and he says, you know, I have a son, his name's Lee and now Leland ends up being this guy, I believe his name's called The Owl. As well. And he, well, of course, Fist kills him. So my guess is his son's gonna take over that mantle. And again, you have some some great little pushing in and there of kind of like maybe what things are to come. And going to episode seven, why do I say that a lot? Because that's the one thing that has that stinger at the end, where Stick goes to see this guy, and you see like this smoke kind of thing come up from a little bit of a kettle, and he says, the guy opposite of him says. Is Murdoch ready? You know, is he, you know, going to be ready when the when the, the bell tolls? He says, I don't know. And at first, I'm like, oh my god, it's Iron Fist. But then I remember, Iron Fist normally is late to the party. He was the last person I believe to join the Defenders. Yes. And also, they haven't cast Iron Fist yet, so they're not going to do that. There's a guy. I think there's a like Goliath or something like that who is kind or Thunder. That's who it is. The Thunderer, who's kind of the head thing. He's. I believe he's kind of the. I, know, I haven't really read a lot of Iron Fist, but I believe he's like the head. He's, he is to Iron Fist what Stick was to Daredevil,
0: I would say. Right. I mean, this is one of those times where you go to Fancy Escape Comics and Cards of Virginia Beach, and this is a good chance to catch up before Iron Fist comes out, before Jessica Jones comes out, and any of the Daredevil stuff you feel like you might have missed. You're like, oh, who is that guy? You can go back and get that stuff. But I want to talk about the fighting throughout the series and the choreography. Oh yeah. And I want to skip ahead a little bit because Peter Shinkoda, who plays Nobu. Yeah. My God, that guy, you want to talk about some amazing stunts and that whole fight scene between him and Charlie Cox was absolutely unbelievable. And it was kind of, I know that we talked about MKX earlier in the show, got that whole Scorpion vibe. And I mean, he just seemed like he was that unstoppable force. And then it just sort of happens where you know, there's a puncture and he gets set on fire, but then he gets set on fire. He keeps going. Yeah. So I'm like, my God, this guy is amazing. So the I just want to talk about in general, first of all, it was very, the fighting was very raw in the beginning and I like how they started out that way, but it was so fluid mm-hmm. as the series went on. The choreography was unbelievable.
1: Yeah. There's a fight scene with Daredevil in like, I believe the first few episodes, and it's in a hallway. That's all one shot. Oh Yeah. That was all one take one shot, which was amazing. The fighting is fluid. And one thing I like about the show is that they didn't do a slow burn when it came to seeing Daredevil. It was like first five minutes or ten minutes of the show, here's Daredevil, kicking ass, there you go. You know, it was it was that's what I liked about it. The pacing felt right. You know, it didn't have to take the whole origin story of okay, we gotta spend ten minutes on him as a kid, Yeah, you know, we gotta spend another like fifteen of him going to be Daredevil, and then the final like ten minutes of the show is gonna be him actually fighting as Daredevil. It was like very fast paced. The fighting was fluid and it felt real. It felt yeah, like it, did. it felt like when you see guys fighting or whomever fighting, you know, it felt real. Like okay, it wasn't out of sync. Like it felt, especially
0: well, early on. Yeah, it felt yeah, like especially not, early
1: on. Like I said, it wasn't like everybody's a, moral, a martial arts expert. It was you know different fighting styles, and you know it's kind of like she goes to the show. And this is one thing I think a lot of comic books and, and a lot of shows get wrong when it comes to like, having like, some sort of a kingpin character and his thugs is that the thugs don't know how to fight. They know how to shoot a gun, but they don't know how to fight. Here, it's like I want people who know how to shoot guns, use weapons, and fight as well. And so it felt very natural given who you know is in the show. I want to talk about Nobu because, as you mentioned, he has that nice fight scene with Daredevil in the show. And... People say, well, Nobu, it means the hand. So I think in Season 2, I want to get to Season 2 now, what can we expect? I think we're going to see more of the hand. I think they're going to keep Fisk locked up for a while. I think Season 2, you're going to see more of the hand. I think maybe Bullseye. And maybe they'll bring Electra in as well.
0: I think that you're looking at Fisk will get out of prison eventually. Maybe during when they do the Defenders years from now. Who knows? So I do think that they are going to probably focus on the hand. I think I do think Electra will come into play here very, very shortly. I think, you know, definitely in season two. Maybe we'll even get a little bit of an Easter egg in one of the other shows, maybe a Luke Cage or something like that where you kind of see a little bit of her. Maybe, maybe they wait for the Defenders. Yeah. To introduce her and maybe give you a little bit of an Easter egg there. I'm not sure. But I mean, the way that this went mm-hmm. and the way that they didn't drag things out, like you said, and the way that they didn't, where, where they kind of gave you bits and pieces of the origin. They didn't try and cram it all in in one episode. I just think everything top to bottom and the brutality in this show. Talk about different for Marvel. My gosh.
1: Well, again, and this is something I want you to, to expand upon here hot you said that on face on your own Facebook page. You said I want to say this is more Netflix and not Marvel. So the fact that you said that, I'm kind of shocked a little bit because it is dark for Marvel by Marvel standards. But again, people have to realize this isn't ABC Television. This is Netflix. So Netflix should get the bulk of the credit here.
0: Right. I I absolutely agree with that. I mean, I I said that before, and I was kind of poking fun at the. Marvel fanboys a little bit who, you know, Marvel gets one show right and all of a sudden it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to mankind and it was a it's a great show. I'm not taking anything away from the show at all. It's fantastic. I love it. But look at what had to happen for Marvel to get TV right. They needed Netflix to come in and give them something different. You know, they got to step away from the mouse a little bit. They got to step away from ABC and they actually got to do something that was true to the source material. This is a brutal origin. This is a brutal character story and you can't pretty it up for ABC television. You got to go darker. And yeah, it's exactly what Netflix allowed Marvel to be able to do here. Well, I did that, but
1: daredevil is such a dark character. Like his comics are so dark Like yeah. and they're brutal. Like there's, just- panels and just beating the shit out of people and here's the thing you know i'm glad that they went to netflix i'm glad they didn't say okay we put it on abc or whomever uh channel i'm glad they went to netflix simply because as you said they could get away with the swearing and get away with the brutality there are some brutal brutal
0: scenes in here very brutal y- it's know, almost like to me what dc decided to do with gotham they looked at things and they said look we can't do this on the CW. They're no. not going to let us do what we need to do. So let's go. The One of the places that we think we can go and do what we want to do. So they went to Fox and they've been able to do a lot more with Gotham than they would have done on another network. So I th- I do applaud Marvel here for not being married to ABC and to Disney and to take a little bit of a risk step outside of that and go to a place where they know they can go get this right.
1: And the one final thing I want to talk about before we kind of give our ratings on this, James, is I want to talk about the suit because that's the biggest complaints some people have had about the suit now here's the thing i want to talk about if you would read all the articles coming out about Daredevil, you would notice that the showrunner said we're going to change the suit several times over the yeah. course of the show yeah so people are like well why does he have a helmet why does he have this well he has his mask is a helmet pretty much because have you seen the one episode where kingpin beats the shit out of him and sees how he pretty bashes his skull in. Yeah, for the most he hammer part.
0: fists him for like five minutes. Yeah. So why wouldn't you not want a helmet?
1: And I'm sorry, but I didn't have a problem with it. The scene the suit, in action, I kind of liked it. You know, you see seeing a picture of it, is, I was kind of like, okay. But then I'm like, wait a minute. They go through several iterations of it, and I like the way they did it. it. I like the way they looked. You know, I love it. And also the fact he got Hell's Kitchen right. You're a lot, yeah. You know, and because now Hell's Kitchen is not hell's, called Hell's Kitchen in real life. It's called Clinton. And you, so people are like, how are you going to get this whole Hell's Kitchen thing going? Well, let's make it that there's the attack from the Avengers and that disappearance destroys this one part of the city and that becomes Hell's Kitchen because right. it's all destroyed and wants needs to be rebuilt pretty much. That was through a great time, And that, that was, was a great tie-in. In. And like I said, the, the suit, I liked it a lot. I can't wait to see what they do in season two. Um, I'm actually kind of, you know, and here's the thing. They did Daredevil right. Now, I'm going to be interested in see how Netflix does a lesser-known character in Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. I'm yeah. going to be very, very interested in that.
0: That's going to be a challenge because Daredevil is a has a cult following and he's always been a top character in Marvel. Whether people want to admit it or not, Daredevil's always been extremely popular, but more so behind the scenes because of how dark he is and that's not really who Marvel is. So what are you going to do when you get a lesser character and then have to tie everything in? But at this point... I trust Netflix. Do whatever the hell you want to do because clearly you know how to do stuff right because they've got a very good track record of doing stuff right. And I want to touch on one more thing with the suit before we move on to our ratings that if you look at the whole series, yeah, it's a bi- It's one big evolution, and they brought it along at exactly the right pace at exactly the right time. Suits change over time. Let this show keep evolving at its own pace, mm-hmm. and you'll get the suit that you want eventually. And not to mention, it's the modern era. All these suits are going, f- are going on that whole Man of Steel type look. That That's just the way we're going now. So, I mean, I think you just kind of have to get over and get used to it. It looked great in action, like you said.
1: Exactly. So it's time for our ratings, James. I'll go first. I'll have you go last, of course. I'm going to give this, this is, yeah, a 10. So, I'm, gonna, I'm giving it a 10. It's, it's, got, it's a definite thing. It got a lot of things right. I didn't find anything where I didn't like it. Uh, it's one of those things. Here's how good of a show it is. When I have my laptop open at all times, when I'm not looking at my laptop and peeking in between that and my television, it's a good show. And I didn't do that with my laptop. So it's a, it's a definite 10 for me.
0: I think the very fact that I was able to power through 13 episodes of this show <laughs> with a screaming infant in my house in less than a week tells you this is a 10 for me as well. I just think that there was so much that went right with this series and there's so much to talk about coming up next. You won't believe the breaking news that we have for you on nerd news here on down and nerdy.
1: Well, it's that time. Nerd Nerd, that's where we travel around the and see what's trending. Cause it's time for what James, Nerd, NERD
0: NEWS! And we have some big, big breaking news. Actually, just breaking now, James. Actually, we've got a ton of Star Wars news to talk about because the Star Wars celebration is going on right now in Anaheim. And J.J. Abrams, nice guy that he was, bought pizza for everybody. It was yep. waiting in line to get inside. But today we've gotten a lot of news. As a matter of fact, some concept art leaked for Star Wars The Force Awakens. So we might actually have a look at the new poster. Exactly. And so
1: with... Some fans, they gave him a poster to go away and stuff like that. And it was pretty nice. But we got some of the concept art of just some new, you know, some more better look at the characters. They got full on Stormtroop, which kind of looks a little bit the same, but a little bit more, I don't say modern, because it takes place in a galaxy a long time ago. A uh, little bit of different altered take on it. Um, we got some different looks as well as some other characters as well. And it looks fantastic. Fucking amazing.
0: It really does. And it's, it's it kind of modernizes it, like you said, even though based on the time that it is, it's really modernized the look of pretty much everything. And then once that was over... Marvel actually announced that we're getting another Star Wars comic, and this time it might be based on the coolest Star Wars character there ever was.
1: Hi, I'm Lando Carrizian for your Cult 45.
0: And that's who it's going to be. Lando's going to get his own miniseries. going to be starting in July. That's when it's going to ship. I'm not sure if that means that's when it's coming out or that's just when it's going to ship, but... Looks like it's going to be written by Charles Soule, who did Wolverine and then Humans, and drawn by Alex Mal- Malvell, which you know from Daredevil and mm-hmm. Moon Knight. So, I mean, does the fact that the guy that does the art for Daredevil give you a little bit of a pause here? Yeah! <laughs> yeah, it does. It really does. Because the art in like, the Darth
1: Vader comics and the Star Wars comics are really good. The Leia art, it's a little bit okay. Uh, there's like, was it, Canon the last Padawan was all right. It was pretty good art. But the fact that, yeah, the Daredevil comic, the new, the new series that Marvel has out, yeah, the art's not the greatest.
0: And this series is actually going to take place before Lando was the minister of Cloud City. So the story itself seems like it's very... Oh, hold on a second. Oh, we've got some big breaking news now. What's up? Oh, we've got the second trailer... For the Star Wars Force Awakens that just dropped. <laughs> Holy
1: shit! <laughs> oh
0: wow! So we're looking at it right now. Yeah. As we're. Wow. Dude, I'm wow. fucking excited. I've got I'm... I've got chills. Oh, it's narrated by by Mark Hamill. Yeah. Nice. Oh gosh. Dude, the force it, is strong in it, my
1: family. It,
0: it looks like it looks like Leia has a lightsaber now too. It's unbelievable, and it looks like maybe, could we be looking at Hanalea's kids here? Because that's clearly who he seems to be talking about. He says, my sister has it. (laughs) Oh, the Darth Vader helmet. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It looks like we've got a little bit new,
1: like, full-front look of that new Sith that's coming out, too.
0: Yeah, and people are very excited about how dark this character is going to be. And I think that they were looking for, you know, we were always looking for somebody to take up the mantle for the Sith. And that Star Destroyer that looks like it's just buried in the sand almost like museum like yeah it's just stuck there for that, preservation
1: that might be where darth vader's body is that's probably why we see his
0: body like half yeah, that, that makes burned. a lot of sense oh uh. we're home oh it's Chewy <laughs> and it's chewie and han <laughs> yes. oh we're home Dude. wow oh i i I'm. I came. I literally just came. Oh wow. Well, it's a good thing that I'm not there to help you clean up because that would be that would be terrible. I don't think the nipple twisting picture is gonna do it. Being no, other. no, it's just
1: not. But, it's gonna be the Marsh at the computer.
0: Oh picture. yeah, you know which one we're talking about, too. Don't act like you don't. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing, though. Why was a TIE fighter chasing down the Millennium Falcon?
1: Uh, I'm not sure.
0: That's very interesting. Right there. Well, the, but the flying and that going through what looks like the remains of the ship was yeah. pretty awesome.
1: And the thing with the X-wing, the fleet of X-wings just flying through and stuff like, like it, it looks stunningly beautiful.
0: It like, really does. Visually yeah. beautiful. And you've got Joey Boyega, who we saw in the first trailer, still in the stormtrooper suit. Now John, he's out. John Boyega. I'm sorry. John Boyega. He's now he's out of the stormtrooper suit. Yeah. So and what's the deal there?
1: I don't know. I think they said he was going to be like a renegade stormtrooper, I believe. His character is something along those lines or kind of a stowaway in a sense. But notice we haven't really seen any of Lupita Nyongo's character at all, mm-hmm. really. And like I said, it's just, it looks phenomenal. Like, honestly, watching this, when you watch this and you watch the Star Trek trailer, I think, because JJ Abrams also has always said, he's like, I'm a much more of a Star Wars fan. This shows. I think he put more heart and soul into this movie than his Star Trek films.
0: You, you just feel it in in the bones of this trailer. It might be the best trailer we've gotten all, in all of 2015. I know it's a sh- it's been a short year, but... I mean, this trailer just jumps right out at you, and it screams to... I mean, you, it's hard to top the first trailer that they did, because I think that it was... You know, it had been so long since we've any had anything fresh from Star Wars in the cinematic sense anyway... But this second trailer kicks it up to the notch where it's like, I wait for Christmas anyway. Yeah. But December can't come soon enough now. <laughs> no. I
1: mean, it's just like, like when you watch it, like we just watch it, and it's just, it, it, it's just so much fun. Like, and it just goes to show, like, you know, you have Mark Hamill, and he's talking. He sounds, I'm not going to lie, when you watch Mark Hamill lately, he sounds like the Joker in almost anything he does. hmm. This hard, one? It's hard not to, actually. This one, he sounds exactly like Luke Skywalker. Like he sounds, and that's what's great.
0: Yeah, that just shows you how good mark hamill is because he's got these two iconic characters it's hard to juggle that kind of stuff especially since he's been joker forever and now he's got to jump back into luke skywalker all these years later and to just be able to pick it up like that yeah i i just love it and seeing c3po and r2d2 there it's just it's it's almost like they brought first they gave us the new in the first trailer they hit us hard with that now we're bringing in some of the old to kind of round it all together
1: Here's the thing. The first trailer was more, look at these ships flying around, kind of a little bit of fan service in a sense. This one was more, let's look at the characters and what's possibly going on. And it's so awesome. Like I said, you see Darth Vader, half his suit is gone, you know, it's like kind of like a form of decay. Mm-hmm. And you see that that big ship just in the sand. And it's it's it really, really looks phenomenal. Like I said, the visuals... Are astounding, and then again, the end when you see Han Solo, he says, "We're home." I was like, I literally went, sque- I literally squealed in my apartment. You're I like, literally...
0: "Yeah, you are, you're home." Yeah, inside inside my head, I was squealing. I'm like, "Yeah!" Uh, so, I mean, there's, with the, I'm sure that there's going to be more Star Wars news. That's going to be coming out as the celebration goes on. Keep, we'll keep you up to date at facebook.com slash down and nerdy. And of course, just keep, keep you posted on anything that's coming out. And don't forget to pre-order that Lando comic if you're interested. Fantasy Escape comics and cards in Virginia Beach as well.
1: Exactly. And then the next story, which was going to, we were going to kick off the segment with, but of course, Star Wars, just kicked the door down. And Bill Moore, Murray just busts out a song saying, Star Wars. You're starting the
0: segment with Star
1: Wars. More Always Star bumped Wars. by Star
0: Wars because it's Don't more important. It <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is actually a very important story because. A little bit of a turmoil in the world of the Wonder Woman movie. First, we lost a director, then we gained a director. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, Nick, what is going on here?
1: Well, let's see. It started a few days ago. Michelle McLaren, who of course directed an episode of Game of Thrones, and she was actually the only woman to direct an episode of Game of Thrones so mm-hmm. far. And also, she is known for doing stuff on Breaking Bad as well. Well, her and Warner Brothers parted ways, and McLaren will no longer direct a Wonder Woman movie. And this was due to creative differences. Now, you wonder, what kind of creative differences were there? They must have been serious. And apparently,. This part makes me want to side with DC more because uh, at first I was, I was praising, like, okay, McLaren, awesome, great director. Mm-hmm. Then you find out what the fuck she wanted to do and pretty much she wanted to go far off canon. And she wanted to even get to the point where, I don't know, maybe she watched Aladdin 20 times and loved Raja so much. She wanted to give Diana a talking pet tiger as well. So, in a sense, I hate to say this, but good riddance?
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like, really? I mean, when you can't agree on anything, apparently they couldn't agree on the time period they wanted the film to be set. They couldn't agree on absolutely anything. And that's a problem, because the time period apparently... They might want to make this an origin film.
1: Don't do a fucking origin film, no. and here's why. Because you're introducing her in Dawn of Justice. An origin film would seem so out of place. So part of me maybe thinks McLaren might have wanted to do an origin film set of place years prior to Batman vs. Superman or whatever. And DC was like, no, we already
0: have this set timeline. We're pushing why? towards a Justice League movie here. Yeah. We don't have time for this origin shit. All right, so when all the insanity and all the dust cleared, we put the tigers back in the cage. Now we have a new director in Patty Jenkins, who remember she did Monster in two thousand and three, and Charlize Theron, pretty strong female lead. I got an Academy Award uh, out of that.
1: Exactly, and also at one point she was on board, actually helm Thor, the sequel uh, for Marvel Studios, but she left the production. Now, however, here is the thing: she hasn't directed a feature. Until Wonder Woman, because, but she has done some work on television with Entourage and The Killing. Um, the last woman, this is actually kind of different because uh, the last woman to direct a superhero film was Lexi Alexander with Punisher Warzone. That was back in 2008.
0: How crazy that it's been this long to make that happen. And we always talk about, you know, we never want to force anything. You want to get the right person for the job. But you would have thought that sometime... In the last seven years we would have gotten at least one female director for all these superhero films that have been coming out exactly
1: um but but penny I'm just I'm very excited now because I'm kind of like I think DC the fact that here's the thing they had such a quick turnaround with this I think DC knew that there was a positive that going in with McLaren they I think DC in the back of their minds knew this is gonna go south at some point
0: yeah Something- and- It's hard to, it's hard to understand why they pulled the trigger on it in the first place Yeah, if they had a hint. I mean, I know that the name recognition probably was a, okay, let's see where this thing kind of goes, but it almost seems like you're right. Like they had Patty Jenkins in their back pocket just in case the worst fears were realized kind of thing. So I agree. I think it works out.
1: I think it works out. Um, Again, this was set to come out in 2017, I believe uh, in May and I believe they're going to start shooting. I think in this fall they're are planning to shoot this fall. And so like I said we'll see what's going to be like. I'm I, you know now that that I think with pay Jenkins, I think DC. I'm not going to say it has a little bit more of a say, but I think with pay Jenkins, I think DC is a little bit more comfortable because we are not going to have any talking tigers or anything like that. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'm glad we're finally beginning a Wonder Woman movie to the big screen now. A movie we probably not going to get to the big screen is of course another Hulk solo film. Well, because Mark Ruffalo pretty much said that Universal still has not the actual filmmaking rights to Hulk, but the distribution rights to Hulk.
0: Yeah, so it's a crazy kind of little loophole to keep us from getting a Hulk movie because I'm sure it's confusing. Like, well, why are we able to see Hulk and the Avengers and the whole Spider-Man thing? How come it wasn't the same deal? Well, apparently... He wanted to tell Collider that as far as a Hulk movie, a standalone Hulk movie, Marvel really doesn't have the rights yet. That's still university, universal property, so that's the issue. That's a big impediment to moving forward with that. Now, I don't think that's insurmountable by any way, but I don't know where it's going here for me. So, I mean, we're going to be seeing Hulk and Avengers, Avengers Age of Ultron. Where do we go with the character from there?
1: And here's the problem, because remember, they did sign Ruffle to that multi-picture deal, too. So if, you know... There are maybe those rumors go around that they're going to shoot Hulk into space, and because Mark Ruffles has been adamant about wanting to do a Planet Hulk film. Mm-hmm. You know, it's tough. Now, here's the thing I think a deal will get done between Marvel and Universal because remember, when Mar- Disney first got Marvel, when they first purchased them, they made deals with Paramount for like Iron Man and stuff like that mm-hmm. for a distribution. I think we're still going to see that, but. Soon, maybe within the next year, I think, uh, where Marvel gets the rights, for, the distribution rights for Hulk. So I don't think it's a, it's a huge issue. However, again, Ruffle did sign on to a long term deal. So Parvi is worried a little bit. But again, Parvi also thinks, well, why would they sign to a long term ex- contract yeah. and movie deal when they wouldn't have the plan to get the rights back for distribution for Hulk?
0: Well, I mean, it's not like Universal's been very proactive with the character. I mean, they got the movie rights in 1992, didn't end up making a, a Hulk movie until 2003, with that terrible Ang Lee Hulk movie. And then, of course, there was another one that came out. I believe that it was in 2008 was the uh, Ed Norton Hulk movie that came out. And neither yeah. one of those was even close to being right. So why wouldn't you do what Sony did? With Marvel, and you know, let's all line each other's pockets here, and everybody's happy, and get together, and let's do a good Hulk movie, because let's face it, and you're a Marvel guy, you've been clamoring for a Planet Hulk movie for a while now, and I would love to see a Planet Hulk movie, so, you know, let's just quit uh, keeping the money in our pockets here, and let's get this thing done.
1: Well, I mean, the Planet Hulk movie, the animated film, was awesome. It was great. But yeah, I I honestly, as much as you bash it, I like the Ed Norton Hulk movie.
0: I really do. I just don't like Ed Norton. So for me, it's got more to do with that, I think, than anything else. I'm just not a fan of his. What did
1: Ed Norton ever do to you?
0: I don't know. I just, I don't like him.
1: Did he kick your ass in Fight Club or something? Or I don't what? know.
0: I think it was back from the back in the day of like Primal Fear with with Richard Gere. There was just something about his punk ass little character that I didn't like. Holy so shit! I, you went so way I, the hell back. So I kind of I think I've held the grudge ever since. Or then. was
1: it maybe because he beat up Batman in in the movie Birdman?
0: Is no, that why? I think it's because he beat up beat up himself in Fight Club.
1: Oh okay, okay. No, I'm not-
0: kicking my ass. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but
1: I mean, I. I think we'll see a, plan, a Hulk. We we'll release a Hulk movie in some sort of a sense. Well, we but finally have
0: a good Bruce Banner and Hulk and Mark Ruffalo. Let's take advantage of that.
1: Yes, and taking taking advantage. One thing that uh, Brian Singer is taking advantage of is casting people in X Men Apocalypse with name recognition, and he cast Olivia Munn as Psylocke.
0: Now, I know people are knocking this, especially we had a lot of response on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash down and nerdy saying she's a terrible actress. Look, nobody's winning an Oscar for playing Psylocke. Okay, let's just back off a little bit. This is not this hugely deep character. No, No, don't get mad at me because I know she's popular. I'm not saying she's not popular. But she's not Professor X, okay? Oh, she's yeah. not this in- insanely deep character. And let's face it, Olivia Munn is a nerd. She is a fangirl. Yeah. You don't think she's going to put her heart and soul into this? And that's the thing. People are saying, talking about that, like, oh, she Like, she was on G4
1: TV for a while. And she and, was
0: good. And she
1: was good. And also, I'm sorry... I liked the newsroom. I liked her on the newsroom when it was on. I thought she did a great job. Now, granted, playing a newsperson and playing a mutant are two totally different things. But again, I think that this is good. She looks the part, too. I'm sorry. She but does. When you, open up, when you see Psylocke, I see Olivia Munn. I'm not saying because she's hot. But, I mean, she that really... Helps. It does help. <laughs> but she... I mean, if you've seen the quote, unquote, from what, supposedly the... Part of the suit that she's wearing yeah. for Psylocke, she kind of put on Instagram out there. Yeah, pretty good. But no, and I think that that I'm all for this. Like, why not? You know, why not? I mean, Psylocke, she made her first appearance in the comic books in 76, and she, honestly, outside of a very minimal role in X-Men Last Stand, which gl- thankfully... Forgettable. Yeah, well, I mean, Days of Future Past, the end of that, was pretty much uh-huh. like, yeah, Last Stand never happened. And she had a very minimal role. Honestly, I don't even remember her in Last Stand. I
0: don't either, quite frankly. I try to forget as much of Last Stand as possible.
1: Actually. And Apocalypse is going to have a release date of May 27th, 2016. I think that the cast is overall great. And I like uh, to jump a little bit into sports. You know, she's dating Aaron Rodgers, who's, of course, a quarterback for the Packers. He put on Twitter, oh, yeah, my, my intrigue in X-Men just gone has just gone way up. Hashtag Psylocke.
0: Yeah, we're going to have to double-check that, my friend.
1: <laughs> oh man i wonder if aaron rogers oh dude can you imagine just her wearing the psylocke outfit and you're aaron Rodgers, and just you
0: know, i don't like, think that would that really do anything for him though other than the fact that it's a nice skimpy outfit and there's a lot to there's a lot to look at there but uh, still, I mean, he's I mean, not a fan though so still, it's
1: it's just it's just it takes it's just a fun addition to role playing you know instead of saying you dress up as a cheerleader uh, hey, wear that that X Men outfit, you know. And now. I'm sure him dressing up as a
0: football player has gotten pretty old for her. So. <laughs> pretty <laughs> <modest>. <laughs> So let's let's bring something what? new to the table.
1: What Aaron, why you? I know you're a part. I know you, you live in Wisconsin. You're a package, but why why are you so insistent on sticking string cheese in my ass? Why? Yes, you
0: smell like cheese, and I don't understand why that is. Can we stop that now, please? Yeah. Oh God. Hey, I'm... if he was able to bring I'll bring up her interest in University of Wisconsin basketball during march madness i think it's only fair that he checks out a few x-men comics yeah
1: exactly Uh, exactly that's gonna do it for nerd news this week but come next we got some tips and trades for you for those newly nerdy stay tuned our main topic
0: come next i'm down nerdy well for those who've gone back in time and listened to our episode two about trendy (laughs) nerds you know that we kind of really hammered on them a little bit and we said that it's okay to be new to the culture so i think it was about time nick Yes. We just sat down and helped out those who are newly nerdy and give them a little bit of a guide on how to start getting into things a little bit deeper.
1: Well, I mean, we really are sitting down. So, I mean,
0: yes, what else we, is there we, to do? We, do? we do typically sit down. Although sometimes I hang upside down like Michael Keaton. Back can, then, so.
1: are we, is it going to be like, kind of like one of those parents, like, listen, son, or, or listen, daughter – It's time to have the talk. Now, you're entering a new realm of nerdiness, and you're getting to that age now where you might want to get into comic books. You know, go to Fanscape comics and cards. You know, pick out your start, your pull there. And here's the thing. Here are some tips to the trades you might want to get into when you're nerdy. First of all, watch Firefly. That's number one. Yep. (laughs) That's a good start. Number two for me, I would have to say, you know, don't be – and we mentioned, kind of mentioned this on our second episode. Don't be afraid to not know what you're talking about in sense of don't be like, oh, this person did this and this person did this and you're totally wrong. Admit, Be. don't be afraid of saying, I don't know about Daredevil or, right. hey, really? Spider-Man has this different variations or really there's this person in this comic or whatever or there's this origin? You know, Don't be afraid to ask questions because right. there's – as much as there is a group of them – who are total dicks? They're not us. We right. are welcoming. Grant, we beat the shit out of the trendy nerds, but again, those are the nerds that are fake. Those are the ones that go to the movies but don't bother reading the comics.
0: They're giving we, you a bad name, basically. Is what we're yeah. trying to say. Yeah. So, like, watch Firefly. Don't be afraid to
1: ask questions, or don't be afraid to not know anything. Really going into it, and just honestly, third thing I'd say is read all publishers. You don't have to. I'm sick and tired of yes. honestly of the whole Marvel DC. Which one's better? I, they're all fucking good. Yes. So, like, why do you think when we do what we're reading, we do indies, we do DC, we do Marvel. Grand. we do Marvel and DC a lot more sometimes because... Well, let's face it, we're I'm a Marvel guy, Rela Marvel, James is a DC guy. You know, it's what we know. And a lot of the characters we grew up with are from those two publishers, so of course we're into the we we review those more. But we do have but look at our friends. We have friends like Drew Moss and Matt Slay who work mm-hmm. in the indie realm. You know, we have our friend Mark Deering who works for DC and Colin Bond who works for much every publisher under Everyone. the sun.
0: Absolutely Everyone. everybody. So you got <laughs> you got a full spectrum there with Cullen. Yeah. Uh, I think that's my first point. Don't be afraid to love whatever you want to love in this culture. And yeah. don't let anybody try to change your mind on that. If there's a particular comic run that you just love, or if there's a character that you love, and maybe we've bashed it on the show, or you've, heard, you've, you've read rad, bad reviews of it, but you love it, it's okay for you to love it. Yeah. Own what you love, because just because we don't like it, or just because dickhead fanboy doesn't like it doesn't mean that you don't have to like it. Nick hates superior Spider-Man. Okay. yeah. So I've been on record many times saying I liked the run. I enjoyed it. Nick hated it. I'm not going to stop liking it just because Nick doesn't like it.
1: I hate superior Spider-Man more than cancer.
0: Oh, that's a, uh, that's a huge, huge statement right there because yeah. that's uh wow. That's, yeah. that's superior. Spider-Man is uh <laughs> Man, that's that's putting it's that the, a, that's reading it up reading notch right there. Reading
1: *Superhero* Spider-Man is enough to give me a brain tumor, let's put
0: it that way. Yeah, that, that that would definitely be bad. I feel the same way about Captain Planet. But if you love Captain <laughs> Planet, you know, more power to you, honestly. And and being a nerd is not just about reading comics. That's another point that I don't want I want to make. You don't absolutely positively have to dive into the comics. If you know, yeah. if you want to know more about a certain character, eventually you're probably going to have to go that route, but don't watch the Constantine movie with the, with Keanu Reeves and think that that's the only Constantine out there, because if you read Hellblazer, it's not even close. That's the Constantine. But again, if you love that movie, more power to you. I'm not going to take that away from you. However, you can love the Harry Potter movies and have not read the books, but like Nick said, don't talk like you know everything about Harry Potter from the yeah. movies. That's the difference.
1: Yeah, because like I said, we talked about this in our second episode as well. With Harry Potter, when I said, you know, I, I read the books first. I go to see Sorcerer's Stone when I was a little kid. And me, get that's when I was getting to the age of like grad, kind of grasping how books are translated to film. I'm like, wait a minute, they missed this part. Wait a minute, they didn't put this part in. They didn't put this part in, you know. And it's just, again, you know, you read those books you can't kind of get the understanding, and in a sense, being a nerd, just embrace it. You know, shit. Like you know, we're gonna get to a, a. I know one of these days we have a main topic where we talk about dating as a nerd. You know, and mm-hmm. and you know my thing. I was on another podcast, and I said, you know, one of my main tests is I have my big nerd wall which has all my nerd art on it, which, of course, James is going to do, uh, do a piece for it. Cody's going to do a piece for it. Uh, Matt Sl- our friends Matt Slay and, M- and Drew Moss did pieces for it already, and I can't wait to get those and hang those up. But I have, like, you know, like a Mortal Kombat poster I just put up because I got the game and I talked about earlier on and stuff like that. Don't be ashamed of that. That's going to be a big test. If a girl can't walk into your apartment and look at the Spider-Man, figure the top of your TV, and... Immediately look past that, and say, "Well, he's still a good guy and everything else." Or even same thing for women. If you date a guy and he's not, you know, into that stuff, he can't walk in and see you got whatever, you know, a, a, a Spider-Man figure or whomever figure, or Iron Man, you know, wall art or whatever. Be, yeah. And he says, "Oh, I can't date this girl. You know, she's awesome and everything else." You don't need that shit in your life, you know.
0: But- no, you don't.
1: And that's the thing. It's just being comfortable. That's the first most important thing too, which I wish I kind of started off with, is just being comfortable with yourself and knowing that what you love is a nerddom isn't toxic. It's not drugs. There's a it's lot not of us. Alcohol.
0: There's a lot of us out there, and you need to understand that right off. And there's always going to be somebody who has that niche thing that they love as much as you do. And for some people, it's like the bronies, the whole My Little Pony thing. I don't get it, but there's a huge niche of people out there that just love this My Little Pony stuff, and you're not alone there. There are people that love those characters that know... Firestorm. Firestorm's a perfect example. I love Firestorm. And I was like, eh, maybe I shouldn't tell people that I love Firestorm, because... You know, not a whole lot of people really know about him. That's not true because there's a lot of Firestorm fans out there even before he came on The Flash. Don't be afraid to love secondary characters as well. It doesn't always have to be about Superman, Batman, Iron Man, Spider-Man. You can love the secondary well, characters like too. Par- like part of me,
1: I, watching Arrow, I like the Atom now and I wish they would do an Adam comic and I would, I would totally put that in my poll. I really would.
0: Yeah, and there's plenty of back source material that you can get on the Atom as well and find out how Ray Palmer is the way he is.
1: Yeah, and going back to your My Little Pony thing now, I will say this. The brony thing, I don't understand. And when it gets to the point where you want to hit Rainbow Dash and the shitter, that's, yeah, that's different. That's, that's different. creepy. That's, that's creepy. And that's, creepy, and that's and different. It, and it does exist. It, is, it does exist.
0: Like the devil, it exists. Yeah, so, just be careful about be that careful. kind of stuff. You love it, but please don't love it for that reason, like, okay? Like Walter
1: White said, tread lightly. <laughs>
0: yes. That's, but I want to go back to your point about, uh, about significant others, because... What, two, two things that I, I love about my wife, of the millions and millions of things I love about my wife, is that she's not as hugely into the nerd culture as, as I am, but you know she always asks me about it. She always supports me you know doing all the things that I want to do as far as nerdy stuff, and she'll go with me on you know, most of the stuff, and if she's around, she'll go with me because she wants to experience it too, but here's the thing I love. We'll watch shows like Arrow. And The Flash and and the movies that we'll go to. And when they're over, she'll ask me who these people are and ask questions. She wants to know because she's interested in what's going on. So she's doing exactly what we want you guys to do. And that's just, you know, if you don't know, ask questions. Don't be be afraid to mispronounce a name either. You're going to have a couple of douchebags that are going to jump down your throat for mispronouncing a name. It's going to happen. I do it. Nick does it. We <laughs> still do it too. It's okay to make mistakes. Another point to make there too. It's okay to be wrong. But if you are, if you are wrong, or if somebody tells you you're wrong, go back and find out why you're wrong. You know, do your <laughs> due diligence. Yeah, I mean, it's people like saying like. It's Raish al Ghul
1: or it's Raz al Ghul. Well, Arrow did what they smart thing was and say, it's fucking both
0: here. How about just both? <laughs> I love how it's a constant battle where Raish is constantly correcting them on the show on how to say his name without yeah. actually correcting them. Yeah, I actually kind of like the way that they've been doing <laughs> that going back and forth. But, and here's the other thing. Don't be afraid of original content. Yeah, Yeah. we've said this on a couple of shows recently where you've got stuff coming out like Justice League, Gods and Monsters, which is left field area, not even close to what is the known source material. Just because somebody says that's not Batman or that's not Superman doesn't mean you should shy away from it. Original stories are gonna have to happen if we ever want to evolve as a culture. So don't shy away from it just because somebody who's ingrained in a character and can't open their mind says that it's a bad thing.
1: Yeah, for some people they can't get out of that that one trap mindset where Bruce Wayne is the only in every Batman, you know, or you know this person is the only Flash or whomever, you know. It, there's different iterations and there's different alternate timelines as we're gonna be seeing with conversions and secret wars.
0: And you can love a character more than another. We're not saying that you if you like Wally West better than Barry Allen as the Flash, that's fine. Yeah, that's totally fine. Now I'm a Barry Allen person, Me too, probably,
1: yeah. probably because I'm you know I haven't really read any Flash comics, but the only Flash I've really seen was of course Barry Allen on the television show and and some of the recent comics. But here's the thing: is that being nerdy. And James and I both mentioned this. There were times in our lives where we felt like we had to repress it or, you know, for me, it was one of those things where I didn't feel like I had to really repress it. It was one of the things where there were other things in my life that had piqued my interest, so I walked away from being a nerd for a little bit and I came back. You know, it's okay to have that little bit of a lull. Just make sure that when you come back, you don't have to really prove that you're – I mean, some people say you have to prove and show your nerd card and stuff like that. No, Just because you go away for a little bit, it will always be there. So, like – You know, things will change. So if you go back and you say, Yeah, was this person, is this person still Spider Man or this person still whomever? And someone says, No, this person's this, this person's this hero now. It's fine. Like, you know, it's okay to have a lull because it's life. Because certain things will come up and they'll pique your interest. You can't devote as many times. That's the thing. I got deeper into sports. I go into college. I got deeper in in my studies and everything else. And I, couldn't read as many comics as I wanted to, and I still want to see the movies and such, and read up right, of course, a little bit yeah. on, on the character bios and everything else. But to that point, I wasn't like I am back now, where I kind of have more of that time to. You know, my school, I'm you know, I'm pretty much retired from you know any sort of collegiate sport and, and stuff like that, or any extracurricular sport, pretty much outside of throwing the football around or, or shooting hoops, you know, with friends. But other than that. I've been able to give more time because it's a hobby.
0: It's it's just like anything else. You're going to have times where you're more into certain things than others. And I think that when you come back to it, to kind of play off your point a little bit, when you come back to it, don't feel like you have to kill yourself catching up with what you missed over the years or months that you were gone. You can find a jumping in point. Like I'm still going back and reading old Batman source material From when I was kind of out of the culture, but I don't feel like I have to justify reading all of that stuff to prove that I'm a nerd. You should never feel like you have to prove that you're a nerd. Like Nick said, be comfortable in your own skin and love what you love and go at your own pace. The only time you get yourself in trouble quote-unquote, is when you try and be a know-it-all. So as long as yeah. you're not a know-it-all when you don't know it all, you're fine. When you become one of those um-actually people, yeah. you're a dick. Yeah, pretty much. I don't care if you do know everything, you know everything, you don't. So the um-actually people we're talking to you, stop it because you're ruining it for the rest of us. And you're ruining people who actually want to get into this culture, culture because people walk into comic shops for the first time and they're intimidated. I've seen it in people's eyes that people that haven't walked into a comic shop for a while and they're intimidated that somebody's going to start questioning them and they don't know a whole lot about certain things and Mm -hmm. it's going to make them want to walk out and not buy any comics. Stop it. Embrace new people that want to come in here. That's why we're doing this episode right now.
1: Exactly, and I'm glad you robbed the whole comic shop angle because, of course, you have our friend Bob or Fancy Escape, but also comic book men. Watch comic book men. Yes, it's a huge help. It's a huge help on how to maybe interact. Because there are people that do come into comic shops for the first time on that show and they're blown away. And you have people and you, like you have people buying stuff for significant others, and they're not into comics. Like there was this one woman, I believe, who was like, My husband is into this certain character, and do you have this certain issue? And they said, Sure, and they're like, why is he into this? And she says, Because this, this, and this. And she along the way says, Oh, wow. Because you know, they're talking to her about the character, and she says, oh, wow, I didn't really notice that certain thing about the character. And she right. begins to t- to take an, t- an interest in it.
0: Mm-hmm. And then it's uh, suddenly it's something that maybe her and her husband can enjoy together instead of enjoying it, it separately. But it's about being supportive of someone that wants to be part of this culture. And it's not just about comics and movies either. We're talking figures. We're yep. talking even games to a certain extent. There's there's more to nerdiness than just one singular thing. And branch out a little bit. You know, go a little bit out of your comfort zone. Like Nick said, even with the indies, it doesn't necessarily have to be with the indies either. You can use a major publisher like. Or- saying with the with the secondary characters jump into like a black canary comic or something give it a chance if you're a little bit interested in the character
1: or go into the graphic novel like a killing joke or something else or a even
0: sure that you reviewed not yeah, too long ago yeah
1: or even go into an anime if you want if anime is your thing and I'll grant like that's the thing it's every we're gonna tell you right now every nerd faction I'll say factions has their assholes like, pretty no much, like, the, the anime either. people have those people who say, Avatar less Last Airbender is not real anime because it's made in America. And this per- this thing's not anime. And, oh,
0: you like Dragon Ball Z? Oh, fuck those people. Pretty much. I mean, I've said on the show many times, I think that you've kind of said it as well, we're not big fans of anime. But when the Attack on Titan trailer came out for the live-action film, what did we do? We both Watch. went back and mm-hmm. watched Attack on Titan. We got out of our comfort zone a little bit, and I actually find myself starting to enjoy it.
1: I used to watch... And this thing was like, I used to watch anime a lot when I was in, like, near elementary school, middle school, because Toonan was still on, and it was on when I got home from school. So, if, of course, you had Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Gundam, and and I think Voltron, I can even characterize it as anime, I think, as well, just from the animation style.
0: Not quite as much, but <coughs> I see why you would say that.
1: Yeah. Um, just from the style alone, uh, just the way it looks. Uh, but the thing is... You know, you look at that, and and that's why nowadays you don't have the tsunami anymore. So it's kind of you have to search different things out. And I'm not gonna lie, some of the anime is really fucking weird. But you yeah, know, yeah, some
0: of it's a little out there, and that's why I don't like it as a whole. But I've you know, I'll try bits and pieces of it here and there.
1: Yeah, but again, you have those people, and again with the comic book people, you have the people that will literally say. Well, what issue did this person first appear in, and stuff like that? You don't want those people, you don't, no, And
0: you, I and I don't know that information, not all of it. Yeah, you know, there's some that I know, but I don't know all that information either, and I don't feel like I have to know that. And I could say that even with us doing this podcast.
1: And then, yeah, and then you have people who are in the gaming realm, the people who say like, "Okay, I want to get to Dungeons and Dragons," or even there's like a Marvel version of Dungeons and Dragons. Ugh. You're really going to use your level 12 paladin to do this kind of event and make a black hole? Mm. God, you're such a fucking idiot.
0: Yeah, and the hero clicks people that think they know it all, and the magic, the gathering people that try to take advantage of people that are trying to get new into the gaming realm. It just drives me crazy, man. But here's the other thing I want to bring up, and it kind of ties into something we were talking about before. Yeah. It's also okay to not like things. You have to like Batman just because the rest of the world does. Okay. It's all right. I am one of the biggest Batman fans you'll ever meet, but I'm not going to ridicule you. If you come up to me at the con and say, you know what? I'm not really into Batman that
1: much. (laughs) Or you're like Clyde and come and say, green arrow can kick Batman's ass.
0: Now you can debate topics. That's for sure. Yeah and i and that's one of the reasons i loved clyde and i loved that whole thing because he took a character like green arrow which even before this was before the show, by the way, became popular. He was, he was a fan of this character. He took a character like that. He believed in it so passionately that he actually made an argument as to how green arrow was better than that. He made an argument against like three other fucking people that were at our books. And he would not budge. That was the beauty thing. He loved the character so much. And that was what I loved about Clyde. It was like, man, he grabbed this character (laughs) with both hands and he is not letting go. I love, this
1: guy for that exactly, exactly, and the thing is, like, you know, when it get back to gaming, like, you know, gaming is also kind of a certain thing. And you know, the Call of Duty isn't really, I would say, a gamer, really, in no, a sense. No. Uh, it's more like if you play the Zelda, so you play like the Bloodborne or Witchers or stuff like that. You know, that's more considered nerdiness, I think, in a sense. But again, you got to be able to take a stand for what you love. Like you ha- and that's a part of anything. Whether it's a sports team or whomever, like for example, I'm a Yankees fan. James of course is a Red Sox fan. What do we do? We talk and bash each other of why our teams are better, even though of course I think both our teams kind of suck right now. But... And
0: we and we do the same thing with Marvel and DC, even though yeah. we both and we both love Marvel and DC. It's not like we hate like I love DC and I hate Marvel. No. We love them both very passionately, but because we kind of lean one way or the other, we rip on each other a little bit, because that's what friends <laughs> do. Yes, exactly.
1: And but the thing is, is like I said, you gotta be able to defend your argument and just know enough to be able to defend yourself. You don't need to know everything. Don't be a know-it-all. But just know enough to defend yourself and put up a good argument. Then notice that now every talk you're going to have with somebody is going to end with them seeing your point of view or you seeing their point of view. A lot of times we agree to disagree, and then that's okay, but at least if you can walk away knowing something totally different you maybe not have known before from through an argument, then that's what it's all about. You know, it's all about collaborating. It's all about being good to one another and just building on each other, and kind of in a sense, like for example, um, when I was in high school, like I said, I was involved in a lot of sports, so my nerdiness was kind of down a lot. There was a guy who worked at a local store in the mall who I went to go talk to a lot because I would shop there a lot of my buddies and just go look around, peruse around, and he was a big nerd. And he and I would talk about the movies and just like, who would be a good idea for this and that for that? And he's like, well, in the comics, this person did this, this person did that. He was kind of like – the person that kind of kept me in the loop in a sense, Mm -hmm. despite not reading a lot. And that's the thing is I seeked out that person to kind of, hey, Mm -hmm. I can't determine and give a lot of my time to comics. I'm going to seek out somebody who is and have them kind of update me as far as what's going on in the arcs and everything else and bios and and stuff like that.
0: And you felt that bond there. You felt comfortable to be able to – you found that comforting person that you could go to to talk about that kind of stuff and give you that outlet. And that's what – you know, being a nerd is all about. You got to find those, be more like those people. Yeah. I'm talking to all nerds, be more welcoming. And I know that a lot of you are, but I'm talking about those of you who might not be so much. So, you know, be more welcoming because the more people we have in our culture as real nerds is what's going to keep this machine going. Once the whole movie thing starts to kind of go on the downturn Mm -hmm. with the general public, the more of us there is, the more we'll be able to keep this going for the long, for the long haul.
1: And that's, that's very very true, and you know th- the thing is. What's is the last thing I want to say is you know the movie thing. I've talked to some people, and honestly, a lot of people are kind of getting to that point where they're getting movied out, superheroed out, because it's the fatigue is starting to set in a little. It's going to
0: happen, yeah. I've been we've been afraid of this for a while now.
1: Yeah, and I mean you have movies pretty much planned to 2020 between both DC and Marvel. But, again, you have Valiant coming in with their ideas and everything else, and their comic book movies that they want to do, and Dark Horse, or whatever. It's going to get to that point where, as far as superheroes go, it's going to fizzle out. Like, it's it's just going to get to that point where there's going to be no more Thor movies. There's going to be no more uh, Avengers movies and stuff like that, you know? It's going to get to that point.
0: Or at least there's going to be a lull. I mean, and that yeah. doesn't even count. Stuff like Ninja Turtles and Transformers and Star Trek and Star Wars. Not even counting all that. So there's just a lot. And it's a great time to be a nerd. We're so excited about it. But this huge popularity is going to be finite. So as long as there's a lot of us that can bring more people into the culture, we can lengthen it as far along as possible. Maybe we could stretch it out for years and years and years past 2020, but we've got to bring new people in as fans. That's the only way it's going to be able to survive
1: yeah speaking of stretching out we're not going to stretch out this episode any longer so what we're going to do is we're going to call it an end right now nerds and again thank you to all the new people who've listened and give us likes on Facebook have gone to our Facebook page facebook.com slash downnerdy and also the people who we got you know, my email is blown up with. this person's following you on Twitter this person's following you on Twitter you know you can follow me on Twitter at Merkle One Arm also we're on Twitter at downnerdy757james
0: I'm at James Ace with him and you can also email us your fan questions or anything you want to know down and nerdy podcast at gmail.com also check out our online store on Amazon you can access that through the shop now button on our Facebook page and it's powered by Amazon. It's safe. It's secure. You don't have to mm-hmm. worry about any of that stuff. You still got the Amazon Prime stuff that you can use on our online store. So, if it's stuff you're gonna buy anyway, why not get it from us?
1: Exactly. Got shirts there. I got DVDs. Pretty much anything and everything you can want for your nerd heart's desire. And say, hey, I want some nerd art. I want to hang for my wall because I want to be like Nick and and kind of he has that cool idea. Go on our page and look up some shit we got, you know, and, and, and purchase it. And hang up on your wall. Get some figures. Get some shirts. You know, we do Shows Your Shirt Saturday. There's a lot of cool shirts. There's actually a Deadpool uh-huh. shirt I'm thinking about getting there from our go. store, actually. Uh, but, no, again, yeah, go to Amazon. You know, our, our store via Amazon, which is, again, safe and totally secure. Hit us up on social media. Hit us up through email because we want to do a, a show where it's just fan questions. And also, don't forget, May 2nd, we're going to be at Fanscape Comics and Cards. That's going to be our next live show. We're going to be there. Was it from 12 to 2, James?
0: Yep, that's when we're
1: going to be there. It'll be from 12 to 2. We have some people on there. Stop by if you want to be on the show. Also, don't forget, the following couple of weeks afterwards, we're going to be at Tyler Comic-Con, and we're going to have our own booth there. We're going to be doing a live show over the next two-day event. So stop by. Again, be on the show. Say hi to us. Like the show. And just... Hey, we had a lot of people come out last year. They liked us a lot. We got a lot of messages from people, you know, and saying, hey, are you guys going to be at the con? Yes, we're going to be at the con. So... There, <laughs> stop mentioning us. If we're gonna be at the fucking con. <laughs> yes, we
0: are gonna be there. Don't worry about it. We'll give more information <laughs> on that as the weeks progress.
1: Yeah, but no. Again, just ask us questions. If you can, even just shoot the shit, you know, post on our page, ask us. Like we just had somebody post on our page recently, asking us where they're gonna take a certain show and where they're gonna take Arrow now during this week's episode, which was amazing. And we're gonna answer. And we answer that. We're very interactive. We pride ourselves on that. But as always, that's going to do it for me, and that's going to do it for James. We'll see you next week, everybody, with a new Donnery podcast. And as always, practice safe comic book reading. Always bag and board your comics.